Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I am your host, Amo Grigic, and today with me is Arun Thiel. Hi, good to be here. Hello, Arun. Uh, he's one of the co-founders for Rockstart, uh, and he's a, they are a startup accelerator. <laughs> and we're going to, to, to get into that uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit later. But first, Arun, can you tell me a little bit about your background and also how you got to start Rockstart? Yeah, so as you mentioned, my name is Rune Field and I'm one of the co-founders of Rockstart. Uh, I am the one non-DOTS founder. I came here to the Netherlands seven and a half years ago to start up with two other guys here from the Netherlands. Now, we all had uh, a strong desire to basically create a platform to support early stage entrepreneurs. So at the moment when you just have that idea, uh, you don't have the network, you don't have the skill set, you don't have the know-how and how to do it, uh, who do you go to? Mm. Now, most investors will only invest in you when you have a proposition and a business model that already works and preferably some revenue. And we thought, okay, let's, let's make sure that we are the company where you can go to um, and get the early stage support. Mm. So all of our backgrounds were in the entrepreneurial uh, area. I had two startups before Rockstart, one that failed dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest learning, I spent around one and a half years building business plans and building a product before I launched it towards the consumers. And another one where I took the opposite approach and I decided to launch it right away when I had mm -hmm. the idea. And basically I went into the market learning. Um, and that became a little bit of my entrepreneurial education that it's much better that, uh, to go into the market and learn from the feedback you get from your customers than sitting you know, in your basement developing some software that you hope someone one day will use. Yeah. So, uh, well, the, the, the main exception maybe there is that if you have spe specific knowledge about a, a specific sector, right, where yeah. you know that this will work. Right. This will this will probably work, even though if, you're correct. Yeah. yeah. So, but usually you don't. Usually it's such a, a idea from left field where you you really don't know if if it if it's going to work. The interesting thing is this. Although I think uh, domain expertise, as we refer to it now, is extremely important. Yeah. So the fact that you know what kind of segment you're in, you know how your customers are thinking. There's so many nuances in how you present your your solution. Mm -hmm. uh, it's from pricing to uh, you know, depending if it's a physical online product, it can be the coloring of it, it can be anything basically that makes uh, customers make a decision. And the best way to, to get to the fastest, prop, probably the best solution is actually to continuously iterate mm. and continue to give your users or customers a new product every single day and show like, how do you like this? How do you like this? Until yeah. you get... Uh, yes is across across the board yeah yeah um, so that was sort of my, my 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 background and my learning so you mentioned that you came to the netherlands seven and a half years ago how, how did that process go so how did you come up with getting to to the netherlands yeah it was a very very uh maybe some would call it erratic decision <laughs> <laughs> um i met one of the other founders through a network called startup weekend mm. it is a 54-hour hackathon where you come together with other people you don't know and then you form teams around ideas that's being pitched in the beginning of the event Mm -hmm. And by the end of the event, the 54 hours later, someone will be pitching a business uh, around that, that, that idea. Okay. And I was doing this in Denmark uh, early from 2008, and he was actually at the same event, but we didn't meet each other. So he took that concept back to the Netherlands, and he scaled it up in the Netherlands in four different cities. Okay. And through that network, when he then got uh, the idea with the other guy uh, to start up Rockstar, they, they contacted me. 
And after I heard about it, uh, two weeks later, I moved here. Mm. Uh, so it was very much in my uh, upbringing and very much in my community that I was, I was uh, moving around in, in Copenhagen to be building this kind of ecosystem for, for entrepreneurs. Mm. And the, the, the interesting part here is that uh, maybe when you started or when you guys started, uh, there weren't many around, I think, at that time, right? The, the, these kind of accelerators. And, uh, how, how many were there at the time? I always see, say there was around a handful. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to tell, but definitely the one that were privately funded. Mm-hmm. So the ones where you would go out and raise money from angel investors um, and, and basically use their capital to reinvest into the startups. Very few of those in, mm-hmm. in Europe. Uh, US, as we all know, is always from technology point of view and also investment models always a little bit ahead of us. Yeah, sure. uh, so they are Y company that existed for quite some years. Techstars was already quite known. Um, but in Europe, we were just one of uh, four or five companies. Hmm. So, if you need to, ex- if you want to explain to someone uh, what you guys actually do, h- how would you explain that? So that have changed obviously over the years. <laughs> yeah, <I can> imagine. <laughs> the way we talk about it now is we provide access to to uh, startups and we give them access across four pillars: access to capital, access to market, access to expertise, and exp- access to community. Um, and basically what that does, these four pillars create an ecosystem. So what we do is we try to create the number one ecosystem within a couple of domains and we identify them as energy, health, agri-food and emerging tech. So you're building a company, a technology company within either energy, health, agri-food or emerging tech, we're trying to build the number one ecosystem for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you imagine that you come out of university and you studied something uh, for, you know, as a PhD, uh, you have something proprietary, but you don't have any experience on how to build a business. We can parachute you into this ecosystem where you meet investors, you meet corporates who wants to buy and work with you, you meet uh, mentors who is willing to sit in your advisory board, and you're sitting in a community with relevant uh, other entrepreneurs around mm. you. Mm. So that's what we're trying to build. Okay, so it, it's it's more of a... Uh, you're kind of building a network around someone which doesn't have a network like, because I can imagine a lot of people have that problem to to network at all, right? So yeah. where, where they're looking at, okay, I'm ha- I have this idea, but I just know the business, right? I know yeah. and the actual business, but for example, I don't even have a tech co-founder, if you can call it like that. Uh, is that something that you help with as well? We can, uh, we can try to, to support as early as possible. Yeah. So um, because we are an early stage uh, investor and thereby an accelerator, yeah. we very much look at the people in front of us. Yeah. So um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll go in as early almost as we feel uh, you know, is possible. Um, while still looking at something proprietary and something we believe there's a commercial validation for um, because we look at the people. Mm. So we will not, you know, say, hey, you need to have like 10K revenue a month before we look at you. We are the guys who's willing to say, if you just have a plan and we believe that you're a very strong entrepreneur, we're happy to to support you. Okay. And um, when we look at it, you, you mentioned the four kind of things that you're in right now, four kind of, if you can call it sectors, but it's, it's more of the, 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 the areas that someone can be in. Yeah. Uh, why those four? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so when we started out, we actually just wanted to have that uh, support across all sectors, mm-hmm. all domains. 
Um, but we learned relatively fast that, you know, uh, first of all, there was a lot more companies suddenly doing it. Um, so it's not very unique to have that model. Yeah. And we also didn't really feel the gratification for just helping someone building a fintech company. So who's going to, you know, disrupt the next bank and become the next evil conglomerate in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, like, that's a big <laughs> ask. <laughs> How can we help those guys? Yeah. It's like, no, let's, let's rather focus on the guys who's trying to actually solve some of the major challenges we have. So uh, if you start looking towards the future, uh, we did that sort of early on back in 2013, 14. And one of, the, one of the, 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 the incredible important factors that we have to take into account is the population growth, just mm -hmm. as one thing. So the fact that we're getting to these 10 billion people from when we started out, it's just close to 7 billion, right? So it's yeah. a massive growth. We're also having uh, an aging population. So right now there's around eight, 850 million above 60, but that number is going to grow to 2 billion also in 2050. Yeah. And then I think we're all aware of climate change. I mean, that, that's been on everyone's lips for the last 30, 40 years. Um, so we actually just decided to look at societal themes and, and thinking how can we contribute positively as a company uh, to solve some of these challenges mm. and therefore uh, energy health and agri-food seem like Makes the most sense. obvious areas to work within. So these are societal themes, societal domains that we like to work within. Mm -hmm. And the one uh, called emerging tech. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's <laughs> thank a you, little thank bit you broad. for pointing out my uh, <laughs> hypocritical position here. Um, yes, technology uh, is obviously the bi biggest determining disruptive factor we sure. have currently. So um, emerging technologies, a lot of people looking at AI, machine learning, how you take data sets from existing organization and you make them, you basically use smarter. that data to, yeah. to make them smarter. Um, that happens across every single domain and industry. So if you don't have technology in part of your core being as an investment company, as us, uh, as an accelerator, then um, we really believe that we're not looking at what's coming in the future. Mm. Uh, because if you just look towards the energy industry, I mean, they're really not, they're really not tuned into what technologies that are on the market. Yeah. So we need to be the one that really are tuned into that. And mm. really to be on the forefront um, on those developments, there's nothing better than actually running at one specific domain just for emerging technologies. Okay, so... And another thing that uh, came to mind while you were talking about this, uh, because uh, you're a startup accelerator, and uh, there is an accelerator and an incubator. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I already made that mistake when I was sending you the questions so where so, I said no where problem. I said where, that it was an incubator, but uh, you're an accelerator. So what what's kind of the difference between those two? So this is a long philosophical ongoing discussion. You can Google, <laughs> you can Google, and you'll find many different opinions. What's, but your, I mean, view? The, what's your view? <laughs> my 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 point of view is that the incubator model, as as it was created, was basically coming out of university and then gave like a soft, nice, warm pillow that you could sit on, uh, roof over your head, and then a little bit of you know back end office support, etc. Uh, it was uh, a safe zone. Let's call it that. Acceleration, on the other hand, the way that we're trying to approach it is taking people out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So we put people under pressure. 
So imagine you come into a program, it's a six, six months run to it. And by the end of the six months, you're standing in front of 400 people to present your business. Hmm. I mean, then you can start imagining what happens to people, right? Yeah, it's, it's a like, little bit of stress. <laughs> shit, all the stuff I don't know, I need to figure that out in six months time and I need to have a convention story. And I'm looking at these other people that are next to me who are super good already. Hmm. And, you know, uh, the, the race is on. Hmm. And the idea here is that instead of, uh, let's say, spending two years on developing uh, all these like core core aspects of your business, we try to put that into six months and we say, well, this is the pressure cooker that we are supporting you with. And by the end of it, we're quite sure you'll be ready for financing. Mm. So, and that can be any subsequent round that you're raising. In those six months, uh, do they actually build the product already or is it more of a, uh, you can't call it a planning phase, but it's more uh, of a, uh, Getting all the materials around it and stuff like that. What what is what is that entail those six months? Yeah, so it depends. Uh, both for well, if you look at our life cycle as a company, the early program we ran in 2012, we literally had two guys coming in with a business plan and a server in their mom's basement, and then <laughs> they started hacking something together. A- which is Amazon now- was still starting then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, really, like they, they, they managed to, in amount of the time of the, the program, really to build a company mm-hmm. around some core technology that who knew where it was going to go, right? Yeah. So that, that, that can work, uh, but we find ourselves that accelerating ideas is really difficult. Mm. Accelerating businesses is much easier. Yeah, yeah. So if you imagine like ping-ponging ideas between, because actually the way... I should probably explain the way the program works is that there yeah, are sure. 65 to 80 mentors depending on the domain connected. So if you imagine you talk to new people every single day about your idea, then you get uh, ongoing continuous feedback that might take you in so many different directions. Yeah. So you, since it's just an idea state, everyone has new additions to your idea. So you end up being more confused than focused. <laughs> Where yeah. on the other hand, if you're building a business, actually those 65 to 80 people will probably direct uh, your uncertainties and the challenges towards specific points in your business. And that's what you'll focus on to try to solve. Mm. So it's a very different dynamic. Um, so we believe that acceleration can preferably happen at the time where you already have commercial validation of your, of your product or service. Yeah, because in, in six months, you can probably already build some kind of, um, well, if you could call it the first version, right? But y- you could uh, come up with something that you could already maybe even go to market with, with albeit a really, uh, really a small thing, a small portion of what you would actually want to build, right? Yeah. So uh, when, I, when I think about that, so uh, those six months, that's not a lot of time <laughs> no. because uh, a lot of people will be like, okay, six months, uh, how long does it take to build something? Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a long time, I can tell you. <laughs> no. And I, I kind of had that uh, because we're building, rebuilding the application as well. Uh, we had that kind of time frame in mind as well. Mm-hmm. So six months, first version. Uh, and what it does or what I've noticed it does is uh, you need to really scrap a lot of things that you would normally just build in mm. because you were like okay this looks good yeah right and th- this this is uh for example i have constant uh, communication with the developers as well like okay we're talking about something now for 10 minutes this we shouldn't talk about this at all just let's just scrap it. let's leave it out yeah. because 
leaving it out. We can always add it if we want to later on, but yeah. we're we're focused on getting a product to market. So we need to sure. we need to do that within six months. This is the way we're going to do it. Yeah. So uh, how how does the because when I say, for instance, I have a I have a startup that I want to accelerate. It. <laughs> how does that selection process work, and how does the process work in in general to uh, to apply for Rockstart? Yeah, so so basically, uh, believe it or not, anyone can can go on the website Rockstart.com, um, look at which program that will be running and coming up, and then uh, put in an application. And in this application form, we ask you more than twenty questions. We ask you to uh, make a video of yourself and your team and uh, add some reference points that we can check out. And then we basically, uh, at some point, close this application process. And there we have anything from, you know, 200 to 500 applications. Mm -hmm. And there we go into a process where we start selecting uh, the best companies uh, in order to get them, get them into the program. Yeah, and and who does the selection in that case? So is it uh, just the guys at uh, the guys and girls at Rockstart, or is it more people that are also involved in the program? That's a, that's a lot of people involved. So I yeah. can take you through the three phases. Yeah, sure. Um, so if we say we start with two hundred applications, then we basically go down and find the top fifty. So we do desk research. We look at the market. We look at competitors, and sort of relatively fast you could say within a couple of weeks we managed to get down to top 50 those top 50 go into second phase and second phase is having interviews online and here we will talk to minimum uh, we'll make sure that you talk to minimum three people mm -hmm. so it's one from Rockstart one from our Minter network and one investor based on the data we get from that we'll, top, we'll take half of them away and we say these are the top 25 uh -huh. the top 25 we'll invite to location where the program is running and here we spend three days on location with the startups okay. with the entrepreneurs and on the first day we invite all the mentors so these are the 65 to 80 people supporting the program and the entrepreneurs we invite them to location and we do speed meetings so we rotate the meetings and we do that for between six to eight times per per startup okay that means we have a lot of feedback coming from all these people and, and what we asked them about is not something very complicated. We asked them about one specific question. How coachable is this individual that you're sitting in front of? Uh, okay. So we want to know if the person is flexible enough to adjust their mindset in order to shift the business in a different direction if needed. Mm. Then uh, for the next two days, we have what we call the selection committee. And this is three people from Rockstar, always myself, one of the domain leads from either health, energy, agri-food and emerging tech and then our investment manager and then we have three people externally mm -hmm. and this is a seasoned VC it's an angel investor and it's a product focused entrepreneur and we believe that this is sort of the team that's, that co cover all expertise uh, that you need to look at mm. and with the data from the first day uh, with uh, some personality tests that we also asked them to do with some legal due diligence and with some technical due diligence all that information it passed on to these six people and together with the presentation that the startups will give to these six people uh, they will make a decision mm. on which 10 needs to go into the program okay that, that, so, that's interesting because it it just sounds like uh, someone applying for a job for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does but, sound like a, like a bit of a procedure like that but it does make sense i mean what's different about um, because you're kind of 
well, you're not hiring them, but you're you're kind of looking at the founders, right? You're yeah, looking yeah, at the yeah, founders, yeah. Uh, as in, as you said, you need to be able to 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 pivot really yeah. quickly, right? Because yeah. it could be that you come up with an idea, and then when you're starting to work it out and talking to other people, you're like, okay, but this other thing actually makes even more sense in this in this uh, particular area, right? Yeah. So d- does that happen a lot? I, I can imagine it does, but how, how often is that, right? So say, for instance, you take that period of six months. Uh, what's kind of the extreme you've seen that, that someone has pivoted? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. What's the most extreme we've piv- seen someone? So recently we ran our AI program yeah. and what we actually, uh, we had one of the companies coming in with a fashion tech startup. Okay. So she wanted to use AI to identify uh, retailers that would be selling uh, sustainable fashion. So imagine you see your shirt that you're wearing right now, right? Yeah. It has, uh, it's blue with white and black dots. I would take a photo of it and then uh, her service would basically say, you can buy that shirt uh, down the street here in XYZ store. Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh, although we, we, we love the concept as such, uh, the business itself is really difficult to scale. Yeah. You need to get like offline retailers, you need to have users getting interacting with the platform and through the platform go to the offline retailers and how do you get paid, right? It's yeah. just really complicated. So we actually moved away from the, from the uh, sustainable fashion idea and right now she's indexing the biggest image directory in the world. That's okay. her plan. Uh, so do image search in general. So you might have tried to do image search and Google is not very really good. Yeah. Um, and right now she's trying to focus just on, on clothing. So for example, Asos uh, over time would uh, hopefully start using her image search because it should be better than anyone else on the market. And then the conversion that they make off for that, um, you know, that's where you start making money. Mm. So it's basically going from sort of more like an e-commerce place to to a big data infrastructure place. Yeah, totally different direction. It's a sense. very different business model and mm. it's very different dynamics. Mm. But it's also the, the scalability of where we got to, it's much higher than where we started. Okay. And what I'm, what I'm wondering about is that, so when you... Uh, because you have a lot of investors that are uh, obviously uh, some way or another uh, attached to the program in that sense. Yeah. So uh, how do you find out? Do you also go through a kind of process for them as well to, to select the ones that you would like to work with? In terms of... Uh, the investors themselves. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we inviting the investors to come in sure. and meet the startups. Yeah. Um, but of course, there are investors also invested into the Rockstar programs. Yeah. And there, it's always a matter of having, you know, a good, a good feel with each other. Uh, it's a personal click. It starts with at almost any business interaction. Yeah. And of course, then there needs to be aligned on values and strategy. Yeah, because uh, you're bringing them in, them in, in that sense. We are, yeah. 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 So we, we, we have at times actually said no to inviting uh, investors to meet our portfolio companies. Yeah. Simply just because we felt that the cultural misalignment was too strong. And uh, we didn't want to expose our portfolio to investors that might have a different attitude towards doing investments that we yeah. believe in. Yeah, yeah, because uh, when you're this is this is in some cases it's kind of a risky business uh, to work in startups at all, right? So investing in startups is is just hard because you don't know. Uh, usually, you don't know if something is going to work immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, so w- what I'm uh, also wondering about is that. When you look, you've seen a lot of founders, you've seen a lot of uh, companies come through. Uh, uh, 
what what would you say are some of the characteristics that the really successful ones have? So what are some of the things that sets them apart from, because this, this is an age-old question, why does mm. a startup work or why doesn't it? But, yeah. uh, but what, what do you see? Uh, do, do you see some kind of key character, characteristics that are the same across the board when you look at the successful ones that came out of your no. programs? Yeah, no, I do, in, I do indeed. I mean, there's a lot of very brilliant, smart people that are starting a company, yeah. but it's not always them who are succeeding. The one that I see that are succeeding by far most of the time are the one who can keep going uh, and, and overcome every single obstacle. So that perseverance of just pushing on regardless of the, of the challenge, I think uh, is the number one trait you should be looking for uh, as an entrepreneur. And then, of course, uh, we can talk about, uh, you know, smartness, uh, how intelligent you are as a, as a founder, right? As a founding team. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about how disciplined you are. You know, if you are consistent in the way that you execute stuff, uh, which has also shown to be a very important important trait, of course. Yeah, creativity is a is a is a thing that we should be looking for, and of course, as I mentioned, coachability. Yeah, um, and that's something more from an investment side. Uh, if you really want to be able to shape also these companies, that's very important. Um, I would also say. Uh, we have seen founders that are not very coachable who still become very successful. We just, yeah. just go at it. Yeah. And that's a little bit with that perseverance. So this kind of uh, two-sided. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Because when I look at it, uh, in some cases, um, I mean, for example, if I take my own personal example. So if I, uh, if someone says, okay, this might be a good idea, right? Mm. Uh, sometimes I think, okay, this could really be a good idea, but not now. Yep. Uh, or it would be, yeah, this is not a great idea, uh, yeah. and I'll just scrap it, right? Um, some people can maybe feel like that's not coachable, right? Because you're not taking up their advice. Yeah. But in some cases, you just you, you can't do everything, right? <laughs> that's no. the, that's the thing. Uh, so I'm I'm. It's a fine line there. Yeah, I'm I'm kind there. I'm kind of curious how that yeah. would work because that 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 to me. As you said, the kind of perseverance is is there because you believe in a, yeah. an idea, right? Because yeah, yeah. you and you're hard headed as as hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're not listening that to that as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. Um, so I I I I think what you should be looking for are the outliers. Yeah. Because there's a very fine line between where you believe in yourself and you sort of obsessively <laughs> focused on something that is just never going to work, right? Yeah, yeah. And those are the kind of companies where you see that the founding team are sort of driving themselves down into to the ground um, because they're just not uh, able to, to trust and, and, and believe enough in themselves and their environment to actually uh, listen and, and, and pivot into something that might be, might be working. Yeah, so, so. Th- th- there, is, there is also uh, a line where it could go wrong, right? So it could yeah. go wrong, uh, they go through the program and it just goes wrong. So w- what happens then? So w- it's not the, the, <laughs> the most positive to talk about, but it could happen, right? So mm-hmm. w- what kind of, how does that go? Uh, well, actually, the program is, for our perspective, is also designed to put uh, the structure and the team under pressure in a way that you recognize within the half a year that the program lasts, whether you are meant to be an entrepreneur or whether yeah. you're meant to build a startup. I mean, uh, so we had an example also with the, with the latest program where one of the company basically failed for bankruptcy. 
while being in 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 the program. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's not so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's not so the it's best. A bit, uh, the it's best a bit one. difficult to explain, right, yeah. to your investors when when the, one of the good companies suddenly filed for bankruptcy. Mm. But the kind of stress and pressure he suddenly felt under was not something we were able to 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 support him on or release mm. him from. Um, so there, you recognize that okay, that's probably not a founder that actually you know you should have invested it regardless. Mm. So you sort of safeguard a little bit maybe the investors that could could potentially put money in because this guy would would most probably not have 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 stand uh, the pressure for that long. Mm. Yeah, because uh, that that's just selection process in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we there we do, but we can't sort of understand and learn about the founders. But yeah, it's uh, really you, hard. You cannot always know. No. It's an emotional thing, right? It's an emotional thing starting up a company, and uh, because you've done it yourself as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. uh, Rockstar is a company, as are the companies that you, you I, try to support. I I, I look uh, twenty years uh, older over the last <laughs> seven of years. <laughs> that's not a joke but um no you you absolutely uh, take on an enormous challenge of, of building a company yeah uh, because of the unknowns and the of course the stress factor yeah um every company go through enormous challenge and i think yeah. uh, of course you need to balance along the way but there's also moments where you just have to push through i mean that's that's no other way yeah do, do you feel that there's sometimes a little bit of uh an exaggeration on the 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 success stories in that sense, right? Because yeah, yeah, the, the, there's a there's a lot of success stories about startups that, of course, get billion dollar valuations. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do do you feel like there is a real big uh, exaggeration on that? Uh, there is in terms of of media exposure, yeah. Um, which is I still think is a positive thing because we like to talk about the successes and not all sure. our failures in life, but. Yeah. Uh, and it is what we drive towards, right? I believe that a lot of the motivation from the the upcoming founders is also trying to achieve some of that success. And yeah. Maybe the recognition that comes with it, et cetera. Um, so it's not, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a bad driver, uh, but I do think it's underrepresented um, the fact that they also have negative consequences to start mm. a company if you don't do it well. Yeah. Uh, financially, the negative consequences has personal negative consequences. Um, and for your own emotional uh, state of mind, right? Yeah. Um, it can be incredibly stressful, and it's it's just not for for everyone. No, no, and uh, that's that's something that a lot of people are like. I want to have my own company because then I don't have a boss, right? And that that's that's not the the best the that's best not, thing the best way to look at it. I think that's uh, not a good motivator. No, no, no. It, it should be that you really believe in something. And you really think some something should change, maybe in that sector or whatever, right? Oh. And that, that's that's the uh, a lot of people are like, okay, well, where do you get the drive from, right? I no. think that you can only get the drive from having an actual idea that you really, really like. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't like it, if you don't, if you feel iffy about it, like, eh, mm-hmm. it's not gonna work. No, most, <laughs> most probably not. No, no. no. you will, uh, you will get tired along the way. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that that's that's. That's so fascinating to me for from startup uh, from a startup perspective because one of the things that I've seen happening a lot is that a lot of startups start up and the founders are a perfect fit for a startup and then afterwards uh, it becomes a little bit more of a company more people like 30 40 people and then it all goes wrong right yep. that that I I see that happening a lot where uh, then that kind of drive or that stubbornness can turn into something negative, right? Yeah. Because then uh, someone doesn't see that they actually should give over the reins to someone else because yeah. they can build out a company better. 
Yeah. Um, and that that's that's something that that I'm I'm fascinated by because I see that more and more. Yeah. And the kind of threshold is like ten or twenty people where it already gets. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's so that's so interesting to me that kind of playing field. So yeah, what I was wondering about is uh, so you. Uh, how, how do you see these kind of accelerators changing in the future? So w- what's what's kind of the, the next step? Because you already kind of went through all these kind of motions and uh, uh, changed up the, the model and stuff like that. Yeah. So where do you see that going in the future? Yeah, so I think the, uh, the, the segmentation have started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at it from where we started a handful in 2011, in 2015, I think uh, I, I read a report at some point that was counting 1,800 across the globe. Mm. So that's a massive growth over uh, over five years, four or five years. Um, and from that moment onwards, I saw Accelerator go in three different directions. Number one, they a lot of them pivoted into becoming a corporate venture uh, company. Mm. So essentially doing like corporate innovation, doing workshops, doing programs just for corporates. Yeah. Um, and then for a lot of them have been like a very profitable like three or four years where they've been working on this so that's one segment another segment uh, became more like a non-profit uh, basically where they would get government funding EU funding to run specific uh, projects and programs and that's that. That's another sort of I think a great opportunity as long as the focus of the government is really set on that and then there's the last part which has really gone the venture direction and that's where rockstar is also sitting today mm-hmm. so really trying to go from the early stage acceleration where it's very much community support mentorship into becoming a true venture company uh, that really uh, operates and live for the stake that it has in its portfolio um, and here i think it's a very, it's a very small group that that really went into this i would again say it's probably a handful um uh, and, and I would say just now when we sort of launched our, our fund, uh, 15 million euros to focus on the agri-food domain, um, that sort of put us into that category uh, mm-hmm. very recently. And that is a model where you have a much more long-term perspective on, on, your, on your portfolio companies because you will continue to reinvest in them and support them uh, for another five, six, seven, eight years after the program. So yeah, it makes so, quite a difference. So what was the kind of reasoning behind that fund? Because we didn't talk about that. Yeah. That? Yeah, so, so basically what we found is that there was two components that we were super strong in out of the four pillars like access to market, capital, expertise, and community. Mm-hmm. We're very strong in expertise and the community part. But what the startups were really looking for, we were having support on the access to market and access to capital. And the original program was just giving a little bit of capital in the beginning, enough to survive. We called it pizza money. Yeah. So, <laughs> you could feed yourself <laughs> you could We're, just eat pizza the whole but, time. but the cheap ones right the cheap yeah. pizzas <laughs> you have to unfreeze uh, but defreeze but uh, essentially we found out that the number one thing that we need to offer is capital hmm. so we say okay let's build a capital pathway from after the program onto series B and that became in the form of a fund where you invest uh, alongside with the market but you let the market lead but you have the capacity to, to invest together with the market. So that's a, that was a big motivator to do that. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, we saw that our expertise was also needed uh, in the early phases. It's like companies would come back to us and ask for, for support on all kinds of areas. So uh, the only way to build this was actually to have this fund construction where we would continue to co-invest to seed A and B rounds. Mm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, uh, it it it's not enough to just have that part with the knowledge and the network and stuff like that, right? It's it's it's, it's so important to have that because uh, everybody's like, okay, I want to start up a company, but I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, right? And as you said, the pizza money come comes in handy, but of course you need to have some kind of uh, driver behind it even to accelerate uh, even more right yeah. and that's that's the idea so uh one last question to wrap up mm-hmm. so s- since you started what are you most proud of since you started um that would be the companies that have gone through the program and <laughs> really matured and i know it sounds a bit but it's kind of like uh, our, 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 our reason to exist, right, yeah. is the fact that there are uh, these startups that need support. And when you see, uh, you know, the two guys coming in, uh, build a platform themselves, and then, uh, you know, they have no commercial validation through that platform. And then you fast forward five and a half years, and then it's really an organization that operates in Europe, in North America, with more than 100 people. Um, is on a Series C and one of the top growth uh, startups in the Netherlands, then then you get proud because you remember when you're sitting with them the first, the first day yeah. and they actually just quit their job like two weeks earlier. Yeah. And the impact that you're able to have by helping them getting connected to some people who knew a little bit about, more about the marketplace model they were building, some investors that could invest early on, um, they're saying the next round uh, VCs that will step in like when all those pieces come, come together uh, and you see that you had a little involvement in every single step I think that's the reason why uh, you should want to do it and that's the reason for Rockstar to exist very cool very cool uh, thank you again it was a pleasure to to talk to you. Thanks for the invitation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and uh, of course, you can find uh, Rockstart on rockstart.com. Rockstart.com, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But uh, again, thank you, Rune. Uh, and of course, uh, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on uh, bitsvsbytes.com and also on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. It's all bitsvsbytes. And of course, all major podcasting platforms. Uh, And I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.